Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winging F1 podcast. It's four weeks to go until the season. It's under a month to go until the season starts. As you're listening to this, we are, we are very excited. There's also car launches. There's some news with Ford versus Ferrari part two coming to an F1 track near you in 2026, kind of. So, yeah, it's all hossing up as the season. It's very close to getting underway. And to talk about that, I am joined with Freddie Coates and Nigel Chu, as usual. How are you both? Well, um, I'm not capable of matching the hype of that, but <laughs> I'm I'm doing all right. I've got a little bit of a cold, but other than that, I'm enthused by Ford, I guess. Yes, I am doing all right sounds, as well. It sounds like uh, Ford tea leaves or something. <laughs> Ford tea leaves, what's that? Because they're enthused. In, infused. Oh right, okay. Infused, oh, yeah. jokers. Infused, infused wordplay, yeah. Nigel. Yeah. yeah, yeah don't do that. Anyway, I'm fine. There we go. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so Freddie's got a cold. My teeth gone cold, and Nigel doesn't do wordplay. That's the recap of the first three minutes of this episode. But I've got, I've got some mini cheddars just in case. There's some oh, ASMR right. for audio listeners. There. Brilliant. That means it's a good podcast. Oh, well, we'll let the viewer be the judge or listener be the judge of that. But we'll talk about F1 rather than mini cheddars now. And the news, Ford launched their, uh, no, Ford launched, Red Bull launched their car. And that coincided with the news that Ford will be returning to F1 for the first time since they left in 2004 to sell the Jaguar team to Red Bull. But this time they will be coming back as a engine partner with Red Bull powertrains coming in in 2026 when the regulations change and the engine freeze lifts. So, yeah, it's a very big news. There's going to be six or there's six registered engine suppliers down for 2026. There's Red Bull, Ford, Mercedes, Alpine, Ferrari, Honda, and I'm missing someone. Or can I not? Ferrari, Alpine, Mercedes, Honda. Uh, oh, you've got Ford. Ford. Um, Audi. Audi, there Audi. we go. Um, so yeah, that is the yeah. Almost, and, I thought you said it. <laughs> and they will be coming in alongside, hopefully, Andretti Cadillac. So and as the three races in the US this season, then there's a bigger, or there should hopefully be a bigger F1 pre- uh, American presence in F1 than any time before. So it's all happening in F1. So the I guess first things first, Freddie. What you know? What was your reaction to this? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a positive thing? Did you expect it? Um. I think it's a good thing. I think it's positive. I didn't expect it. Um, I do think a partnership between Red Bull and a manufacturer, and particularly Red Bull powertrains and a manufacturer, is a very good link-up. Um, they have clearly were, were pursuing that with Porsche and didn't get the favourable terms they wanted, and they've been able to do that with Ford. So from Red Bull's side, it's a good idea. It's a good investment. From Ford's side, they're very open about the fact that they're just looking at Formula 1 and saying, you're big. We want a piece of that. And (laughs) I'm quite impressed with that, you know, not coming in saying, oh, we want to just, you know, embrace values or whatever. They're coming in saying, we think it's a good way to sell cars. So we're going to put this on the map and put Ford in, you know, the front and center of people's (laughs) minds with this. And I think, you know what, fair enough. Um, I'm okay with that. And it is, you know, it's a proper car company and they're, they're a car company with good old F1 heritage. And I like that. The Cosworth DFV being the prime example of that being the most successful engine in Formula One history, winning races from the 60s to the 80s. Um, 
which is ridiculous. Um, and then the fact that Ford were in, you know, are still the third most um, winningest manufacturer of an engine in Formula One behind Mercedes and Ferrari only is pretty cool in my opinion. So I, I just like it. I like I like a cool link up. I like a manufacturer. I like things that make it look like Formula One's doing well. Um, <laughs> and I think yeah, fair play to Rebel for schmoozing Ford into a deal that works for them and works for Ford and will work for um, their investment that they've put in with Rebel powertrains. Yeah, I said to Adam, not on the podcast, when I was at his house, actually, a few weeks ago, that this was like a golden age for F1. And you can vouch for this, Adam, because I did say this about three weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is just part of it. You know, Ford joining, nobody could have expected it. Uh, sorry, I made it. would be a really strange lie. It would be a really strange lie to make. <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah and he can vouch for the people. fact that I just said this one, like, quite, you know, nice sentence about Formula One. It was night, it was about 10 p.m. on a Wednesday, or if it was, yeah, no, it was a Wednesday. That's yeah. not the start of the piano, man. Oh, anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good move for F1, obviously, a great move for F1. It's much better than the Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo kind of partnerships because they haven't really done anything apart from put money into Sauber and Aston Martin, I guess, uh, for in terms of the uh, like the technology side of it, whereas Ford are going to be doing effectively half of the power unit stuff, sort of battery, the electric bits, and I think some of the software as well, and Red Bull are going to be, uh, Red Bull powertrains are going to be focused on the internal combustion engine. So it's not just a badged up Red Bull it is doing Ford are going to have some technical input into it. So that in itself or kind of brings its own risks because it's a brand new thing. But is of course, we have a brand new power unit regulation. So the no order could change anyway. But I think overall, Red Bull, it's perhaps, well, it's a different deal to what they would have had with Porsche. But I think they have found the right fit for them with the American market as well. Ford. They don't do too much apart from the World Rally Championship in NASCAR at the moment in terms of motorsport. So, yeah, I think overall it's a good move for for all for all parties, uh, really. Yeah, I I really really like it. I think it is very much a partnership. It's not them coming in as a supplier and they're building or intend to build a kind of powertrains um, <clears throat> division in Milton Keynes. So it kind of brings you know melds with all of that and um the was it mark rushbrook from ford um mm-hmm. saying that they're going to have you know ford engineers on the ground basically as soon as that's up and running um in milton Keynes to start working towards that and yeah the reason that the four uh sorry the porsche deal uh fell through in the end was that porsche wanted to buy a stake in the team i can't remember if it was 50 percent or less but um yeah it was so that's the kind of reason it fell through and this doesn't have that um i guess baggage with it you know it's very much a, like freddie said it's you know we want to get involved with um you know one of the most successful teams in f1 in this um century um to you know and it's going to be a two-way thing and we know that we can provide this to red bull and they can provide their expertise back and you know i think it is 
it it certainly has all of the potential as long as they go about it the right way to really be successful i think they will you know it it so far seems that no no teams come in with too big an ego or you know neither side has come in with too big of an ego that they're both you know seeing this as something that they can learn from and be successful so you know i guess the question would be if it does go sideways at any point then kind of you know does the blame game start does it go downhill like it did with rebel and renault in the mid 2010s but for now i think it looks really positive both of them seem to be coming at it quite open-mindedly and quite you know cooperatively and not you know really trying to kind of sell it as you know this is for powertrains or this is just rebel with a bit of ford help it just genuinely seems to be quite um two-sided yeah it's 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 it is just capitalizing on the investability of formula one right now and the investability of red bull as a as an entity in f1 and i think yeah i think we'll all agree i think red bull is the the team if you were to look at it from the outside if there's a team you want to be associated with it is Red Bull, even with sort of cost cap and crap that goes on with that. You look at them, they, as a, from a car automotive side of it, they're the top, they're winning. They've got fantastic um, pedigree on that in recent and like Adam says, past history. And they've got just a brilliant opportunity of investment in Red Bull powertrains. And Ford have just capitalized on that perfectly in a way that Porsche unfortunately let go by probably being a little bit too greedy for for um, the Red Bull side, which is understandable from both sides. And it's, it is it is just basically looking at this and saying, as an entity, they've got a, a, a fledgling powertrain unit all tied. It's like, this team is only growing and it's already at the top. If there's a team to invest in, it is Red Bull. And that's, that's a very, you know, very shrewd move from both sides. And the fact that Red Bull have been setting themselves out like this to courting Porsche, trying to still court Honda, um, and eventually getting Ford, presumably having chance with a few others along the way. It, it, we all hear rumors about Hyundai, and um, I, I'm trying to pronounce that right. I don't know. They they keep trying to make the everything. car advert. <laughs> yeah, is it Hyundai? Hyundai. Hyundai. Exactly. It's that. Hyundai. It's Come Hyundai. on. It's Hyundai. It was, it, the advert says it was Hyundai. Hyundai like ten years ago, so probably still is. So, so yeah, like, there, there've been, there've always been, there's been rumors of, of Hyundai and Hyundai ones. Maybe they were talking to Red Bull. I mean, I'm purely speculating here. Probably Audi's is probably um, Cadillac. Yeah. Probably was actually blindsided as like an opportunity. But um, it's it, you know, it's shrewd, good, proper, simple automotive marketing. Yeah. When was the last time like you had two? different teams as it were so Red Bull Powertrains and Ford coming together to build a power unit or an engine because I can't remember the last McLaren time Honda Red Bull yeah. Honda oh, um, Williams but that was just a Honda pure Maybe engine wasn't it McLaren didn't, McLaren didn't have any input in terms of the engine did they no but they were a works team essentially and were having works yeah. discussions and the, the engine was designed for that car um, yeah. if you're going like that maybe McLaren Mercedes then if you want or um BAR Honda or Red Bull Renault. So yeah, there's, there's um, been mixed mixed success with all those teams that I guess in terms of it working and working and not working. And this is a five year deal with Red Bull and Alpha Tauri as well. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, if there's gonna, it's, I mean, people were saying about the pecking order changing for last year for 2022, but really you need the engine regs to change 
as well for a really serious picking order change, I think, because that's what we saw in 2014. Well, they are changing, uh, like, they're simplifying, aren't they, for 2026? That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So if we could see a genuine picking order change. Uh, well, that's when Ford are coming in, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, Nigel yeah. was saying. Sorry, yeah. I, I don't know why you said but I, I, I misheard what you were saying. He's saying like veneer. Uh, what, what I'm saying is last last year people were saying oh, there could be a pecking order change, but there was no actual power unit. I understand now. It was, it was just aero. It was 2026. I think it's both, isn't it? It's aero and uh, engine changes. So we could see a very different order then, but that's still three years away. I mean, for me, it's the it's it, it's a it's a weird one. All of that because I don't even see that being much of a change if you look at the fact that if, if there's aero carryover it would be it would be interesting to see to be honest i don't know at all mm. because i think the reason there was a big peck order change with the la- the latest engine change was simply because it was so different yeah and this isn't as different i guess yeah, yeah. and the reason that the pecking order change came from pure dominance rather than competition um, so I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it was a, a wait and see situation for that. But it's, I think, Red Bull powertrains' sole focus have been those regulations since they were yeah. set up, whereas everyone else pretty much has to still, you know, throw in reliability upgrades to what we got now. So it'd be interesting to see how that worked. And I think they've done so well to get Honda tied up. Not as a manufacturer, of course, but for the next three years, even though they officially pulled out in 2021, because they've got arguably the best engine, the best power unit for the next three years. And then they know they've got this Ford thing coming as well. So they're pretty much as good as they can get, like placed for the next, well, for the medium to long term future in F1 Red Bull, I'd say. But that, that does raise the question of Honda because it was, you know, rumoured that they might get by Alpha Tauri. We discussed that um, a few weeks ago on the Cadillac podcast and yeah, kind of, where, where does it leave them now? Not many options. I mean, let's go through the teams. It's not going to be Ferrari. It's not going to be Red Bull. It's not going to be Mercedes. not going to be Alpine. Aston Martin, I think, are tied up with Mercedes in terms of engines. Obviously, not Alpha Tauri now because uh, Ford are going to use their engines. So then you're left with Alpha Romeo, who are going to be taken off by Audi, so it won't be them. So then you've got McLaren and Williams, and then potentially Andretti, but they're based with Cadillac and General Motors, uh, a competitor against Ford, so it's not going to be Andretti. So Ford, uh, sorry, not Ford, Honda no, no, no. have left with McLaren, Williams, or nothing, as far as I see. And I fear it's going to be the latter, uh, because they're going to have to put a lot more money back into an F1 programme, and I don't think they're willing to do that with the direction they're headed in. So which is a shame because I love Honda personally. Uh, it'd be good if they were on the grid. If they were going to be with a team, I'd maybe say Williams. And Williams would effectively become a works kind of team because they can put a bit of money into them and not as much money. Uh, well, hmm. I, I, I don't think they'll be on the grid. I'd say that. But if they were going to be with a, with a team, I'd say Williams. Yeah, it does feel great. like there's not really the gap for them. I agree with Nigel on that front. Um, but I do think the right idea is for Williams to, to go after that because they can then get mm. some funding with it, hopefully. Um, but I mean, my prediction for Honda is that they'll just go, they'll take the money from F1 and put it in WEC because they've got Acura in IMSA in the States, the, the sports brand of Honda that's um, America-based solely. 
is absolutely smashed Daytona 24 hours and it's got a, fan, a Le Mans spec car. So, but Honda aren't putting the money into that for a worldwide world endurance championship um, uh, title tilt or anything, but I think they probably should do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they say, you know, just have minor involvement with Red Bull until 2025 and Alpha Tauri and then are uh, fully fledged dominating the world in WEC. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think it's not, I don't know, if you're Honda, I think you may be kicking yourself a bit. They obviously, with oh, Drew yeah. for, um, at the end of 2021, they announced it in 2020. And, you know, then it's, it's just kind of looking like more, more and more of a bad decision. They could have been tied with, you know, the most successful team last season. And while there's kind of still that, you know, kind of involvement, there's still going to be the badge on the car this season, then it's not the you know active partnership that they would have had going forward and and yeah now you kind of standing by and watching these other manufacturers come in where you know you had all of the ground you had all of those deals sewn up and now you're not there so i think if you're honda you're kicking yourself but yeah i think williams in general i think williams is probably the i think i think they need we we may talk about this next week after they've launched the car and do a bit more of a williams preview but i think they they need something. They need a kind of partnership like this because they could really be left behind because they've not got, you know, it is it is a um, kind of privateer team still. It's, it's left over from that F1 history and they've not got, you know, the resources, they've not got the infrastructure that it's looking like all of the other teams now they partnered up are going to be coming into 2026 with. And I think Williams now, if you're, you know, if you're, if, if you're from Williams, you're looking out and going out and trying to find a partnership. And if you're another team, then Williams is really the only, you know, maybe McLaren, but I think both of them, if I was them, I'd be looking out for, for a partnership and just making sure you're not left in the dust because it is going to be difficult if you're coming in competing against Cadillac, Audi, Mercedes, Ferrari, Ford, all of these huge names. It, it's going to be really difficult for Williams. Yeah, It's an interesting I'm... one because if you're Williams... You either want to stick with a good relationship with Mercedes or go to Honda, who are, you know, are proven and are very proven recently, rather than going for an Audi or a Porsche or a a Ford, Red Bull Ford, who aren't really proven. You you, you might be in a better position if you were the Honda um power unit, to be honest. Um but you can't I d I don't I don't really know. I mean, obviously, and I don't know how much we want to spin this conversation out, but um the FIA have very publicly put out the tender for new teams to come in, obviously with Formula One's approval, but this is the one of the proper blatant um, invitations to new teams to Formula One. And I think they're, they're eyeing this up as this kind of lots of people are wanting to be involved and we don't want to have too many people left out in the lurch. So I wouldn't be surprised if you, if, if there are any elements of that that come to the fray in the future, I know we've mentioned Andretti and the rumours are that Andretti Cadillac will have a Renault powertrain behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other other options down the road with that. So are you saying Honda could come back as a works team? Not as a works team. I mean, I'm sure everyone would love that. But I mean, as a as a, a new team could just... Uh, you, oh, okay. Like, like in um, 2010, yeah. You had a Cosworth engine and things like that that was brought yeah, in yeah. as a cost-effective engine. Like Honda, like there are, there were regulations in place to make sure that teams will get sort of leftover powertrain units or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Honda and 
Honda could realistically be in that position and be sort of commandeered to yeah. these teams. Yeah, that's a good point. And we should say, by the way, uh, even though Honda have signed up with the other five manufacturers for the power unit rules, it doesn't mean they will be on the grid in 2026 to kind of pull out if they want to, which they probably will. I mean, the, the other option that I mentioned, McLaren, I mean, the only very outside chance of that is is, is if McLaren think we can't win, we can't beat Mercedes with a Mercedes engine, which is what they thought when they got McLaren Honda in the first place back in 2015. And now that mentality thinks we, we can only win with our own engine, which will be Honda. That's the only way I can see that happening, but I think it's highly unlikely, I'd say, on that. I, I would, I would, would you, if you were McLaren, have too much pride to go back to Honda? Or do you think it's, do you think there's an element of humble pie about it in that? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it was Ron Dennis, wasn't it, who set it all up, not Zach Brown. Zach Brown was just left with the getting rid of Honda part. So because they've got new, a completely new management structure there now, McLaren, there is, it's, there's a better chance, I guess. I think it's more if Honda want to go back in bed with McLaren personally, I think, which I'm not sure about. I, I think I, I think it's more likely Honda. I think, I, I don't know, I think if you're a McLaren, like, can you afford to? Like, it might mm. depend on how well they do over the next few seasons, but if they are trending towards the back of the grid, if this kind of um, slump continues and they're looking, you know, kind of heading more in a Aston Martin direction than coming up to the front of the grid, then I think you have got to yeah, I think you've got to look at that and think we do need to change something here because, you know, yes, they are a manufacturer kind of, but they're not, you know, in the sense of all of these other, you know, absolute huge household names that are coming in. So they're a self-funding privateer really as well, yeah. you could say. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, they're kind of a weird hybrid um, where they started in F1 and then branched out into making cars rather than the other way around. So which is cool. Yes, we like that. McLaren F1, absolutely amazing car. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know whether you can afford to have that pride and also be competing at the front because, you know, it's going to be, you know, there are going to be an absolutely an absolute plethora of big name manufacturers. You know, Ford, Ford and General Motors are the biggest, you know, or with Chevrolet, they're the big three in the US. You've got Alpine, which, you know, is one of the highest selling car brands in the world. You've got Mercedes, which is from the big German group, Ferrari, the most iconic name in motorsports, really. So, you know, there are these absolutely huge names out there and they aren't going to be, or they're going to struggle to compete even with the, the cost cap um, if they've not kind of got that technical partnership, particularly in the engine. So, yeah, we shall see. But I think... Um, yeah, I think it's well, it's something they should be looking at, especially if they're not moving forward um, over the next few seasons. I completely agree because Honda is the only team without only manufacturer without a focus, and yes. you know, like you say, Mercedes, Mercedes, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ford, Rebel, AlphaTauri, Audi, Audi, yeah. Um, yeah. so Alpine, Renault, and Honda, no one. So Honda can put their focus in everyone. So mm. it is the one to go for, but. And 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 you know, I I disagree with your point about Zach Brown being different management, Nigel, because he's the management who made the decision to get rid anyway. Um, and they kind, of, they kind of had to do with the performance, don't you think? I mean, they were running, but but ninth then the best team, they were very ninth best team, and then next year when they parted ways, um, McLaren was still crap. So no, the start of the season they were pretty good. With but then, well, they got a few good results and they were still ninth best team, weren't pretty much. 
in 2018. So at the way they ended that season. So I, my, my general perception of all of that is that McLaren were a bit embarrassed about the way they shouted at Honda so much because there was, there were so many problems that they had as well. Um, yes, there was engine reliability, but when the engine reliability was sorted, the McLaren car was also holding it back. So I think there are, there are two, there aren't any innocent parties in that. And I think, I think if, you know, if they can, I think they're both much cleaner and much better than they were then. So it would be an interesting, interesting tie up in the future, but I completely understand if, if various people in the, in the management structure don't really want to have a conversation. But like at the end of the day, if the, if both parties can find a if they can find the right deal, the right terms, yeah, they will put a deal together. I mean, it doesn't matter what. Oh happened. yeah, of course, totally. it, matters, it matters to some extent. But like, if they find the right, if you've been shouting at right, someone across a board that. table only like five years ago, though, that's is still that's relatively recent. It is, but I think things can change after a year or two. I mean, also, if if your job is on the line or your division is on the line, you know, then there is that. If if Honda are wanting to go into WEC or you know go into a different um, field, and they've got you know the F1 or a director that was involved in the F1 project, are they going to want to clean house? Is your job on the line then? If you're McLaren and you're looking at a slump over the last few seasons, and you're thinking we need to change something, then you know that is going to be a big motivator. You know we need to change something, or they're going to bring in someone new to do my job. I think that could be a factor where you know it's not both sides just kind of do have to swallow their pride because like Freddie said, it's kind of two um, McLaren are this kind of weird hybrid where they're, you know, we're not really sure whether they can go into the next. Well, McLaren, McLaren's an annoying one because they have got a new wind tunnel being built. Now they yeah. have got everything changing. So McLaren to be fair, have, have reason to hold station. Yeah. But you know, and then you've got, you've still got this kind of, they're the biggest team without that partnership. And then you've got Honda who are signed up and don't have a team. So I think, you know, it may be that they do kind of find each other just out of necessity, really. But yeah, we shall see. It's definitely a storyline. We did storylines to track over this season, but this will be a storyline to track over maybe the next couple of seasons instead. So yeah, something to watch there. But Ford do have history, as we covered briefly. So they, there's Cosworth DFE engine, which is legendary from the 60s and, and all through the 70s and into the early 80s. It's still winning championships, which is just mind-blowing. So go and there's like plenty of stuff out there on the history of that. Cause it is a fascinating, just kind of, piece of f you know it's one more influential f1 innovations or introductions um really over the whole, whole history of f1 but also more recently they were involved through jaguar their brands in from 2000 to 2004 they bought stewart and it didn't go very well they kind of came in hoping to be a new ferrari and have the same kind of influence in f1 as ferrari but didn't go very well they got i think three podiums and yeah never never kind of seriously challenged and then ducked out as we said to sell to Red Bull. So this time they hope will be different. But Freddie, do you think it will be different? And what reasons are there for whether you think yes or no? I think it'll be very different based on the way they tried to run Jaguar last time was and uh, was what a lot of teams were guilty of in the early 2000s, to be fair, namely Toyota as well, which is running it from a boardroom miles away with no care about motorsport. And um the way Jaguar was run, I mean, Jaguar now is Jaguar Land Rover and is owned by uh, Tata, um, an Indian brand and so on, is not to do with Ford anymore. But at the time, it was owned by Ford. Ford were just a manu engine supplier and they wanted to get more involved to bought the Stewart team, like Adam says, who had just won um, a race and had been on the up um, as Jackie Stewart's own Formula One team. Pretty cool. 
And they bought it and bought with it. They brought Eddie Irvine, who had been a championship contender, and Johnny Herbert, who'd won races and and were drivers and so on. So, you know, capable peddlers. Um, and had a, no, ca- a capable. You're thinking of. It's a normal phrase. It's a normal motorsport <laughs> phrase. Um, capable peddlers, and they had good designers in Gary Anderson, who had won races with Jordan and so on. Um, and it was. It was on paper very good because they'd done what you do, which is buy a team. But then they just kept not allowing decisions to be made without going through the big bosses and things like that. And it just it became a side project and then it became a chopping heads project, a project, basically. And if you look at that, you can see very clearly why they sold that for a dollar um, to Red Bull. Um, so. I think I think coming in in partnership with an existing team is the right way to do it, like we've already said. And I do think the the way um is it Jim Farley, the CEO, has been running yeah. around every everywhere talking about how good it's going to be and how much he's getting on with the team and things like that is and you know, being in partnership properly with Red Bull is um very good because Ford has always been at their best when they've been a partner <laughs> in Formula One. Um, they won a championship with Benetton in, in the nineties, and and were very and won races with McLaren the year before, and so on, and were very very effective as a manufacturer of engines. So I don't see why that would be different now. I just hope that it it, it is um, just successful. Yeah, I've got one. Well, it's, it's it's kind of related to this, kind of not, but like it makes me even more angry if Andretti don't get on the grid now seeing Ford tied up with Red Bull, I will say that so if, it, if they're not on the grid, I'll be even angrier than I was than a few weeks ago when I said I was very angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, than usual <laughs> so, my normal self so be, be careful of that F1 yeah, I agree, I think, you know, like I kind of recapped at the top, I think the way they're talking about this is, you know, very much it being a partnership and wanting to you know, they're coming in saying, obviously, they're going to be giving their their backing and their resources to Red Bull and their expertise from their side, but also taking in Red Bull's expertise. And I think that's a really positive thing. So, yeah, but the Jaguar F1 cars were some of the best looking F1 cars, one of my favorite livery schemes over the years. So, you know, there's that as Red Bull announced their 18th, well, not umpteenth. There we go. Um, same livery or very similar livery. Um, so, yeah, and just quickly, one word answer is the Rebel livery one of the most iconic in F1 history? Yes. Yes. I don't get why yeah. people moan. Like, people moan about, no, sorry, people like, you know, praise and credit the red and white McLarens and the uh, Williams from the 80s and the 90s. Well, that had the same livery for years and years. So, why can't Red Bull keep the same livery, livery for years and years? Ferrari always have red. And you know, I mean, I mean, in defense of those people, I probably think. Yeah, you probably you would probably say in 1993, it looks the same. Um, but now we do but look at that. 20, 30 years. But also exactly, the, exactly. Williams in the 90s, that's what I agree. Williams with, in the 90s um, changed their livery like a few times. It wasn't, they only had the few livery for a few. No, they, they, they changed the livery all the time, Williams, because yeah. they're just purely sponsor driven. Um, but I, I I agree. It's completely. It's a really good looking iconic livery, and I don't think it's broken. I I do think it does exactly what it says on the tin. And they're doing three fan base liveries this year. I think we should mention, yeah. which is a really cool addition, and will be I think be way cooler than just doing a car that just looks a little bit different with the same branding decals. It's you know, 
that that's just different for the sake of being different like do something that looks really cool as a base that they've got and then do something really cool that's just cool fan engagement which they're doing so i'm i'm really okay with it and i, I really like this livery yeah, yeah I, I i'd agree with that yeah, i mean i don't enter? care too much about liveries but it is quite a cool thing to do was that into the competition to design the how does it work? Because I wasn't really paying attention to the launch. How, how's it? No, I didn't pay attention. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> no neither did I. But I'm right. assuming it's like, I don't know. You draw, just you go to the web link and yeah, design one and just draw big, see what happens. Just draw like three big faces of, of like us and stick it on the car with like a winged it logo. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be I think you need to pay for that. Yeah, that's right. not. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I don't know. It'd be quite nice. Their their very first livery that I don't think ever made it onto the grid was like a Red Bull camera. It's silver and blue, and that was quite cool. But um, equally, if they carried on with that for um, what twenty? No, I can't math. Eighteen years now, then um, that wouldn't be great either. And some of their funky testing liveries have also been quite fun. But um, so it might be nice to see the one white of them one kind of the twenty twenty one Turkish Grand Prix as well, uh, which was meant to be for the Japanese Grand Prix, but it never happened. I yeah, quite like that, the white one they had. Yeah, uh, so they have mixed it up a bit. Um, and yeah, like we say, they're doing that again. But um, but yeah, so there's our two cents on iconic liveries in F one. Jaguar and Red Bull for very different reasons, but we will move on to Haas, who also have a new look and a new sponsor, MoneyGram. What, what is your... that? It is a proper brand. I'm so glad Freddie came in there because I did not have anything um, to add. I was discussing this with someone <laughs> and I've forgotten what it is, but I know it's legitimate and it's... Is it crypto? No. Okay. It's legitimate <laughs> to do with money. Okay, great. But it's not, it's not, it's not rich energy or something. So, okay, it's it's a it's a proper company. But it's very big in the states. That's um sort of like I want to. I mean, I might be spouting absolute nothing here. Shit. Oh, I was trying not to swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but apologies if anyone was um, by the language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever said that, you know. I don't think we've ever never apologised. No, no. um, <laughs> it's, it's like a um, it's like a I've money transfer it. thing. So I think it's, it's like a PayPal, but I'm yeah, actually... yeah. But America has like fifty different versions. Yeah, it's like a cross-border P two P payments and money transfer company based in Dallas, which isn't where there's a Grand Prix. There wasn't the eighties like, though. But, I like yes, Dallas. So do I. Um, so yeah, I really, I really like the house livery in that it looks. I mean, Renault did this in 2019. Um, it looks very different if it's front on or side on. So it looks basically white um, white and red. Not that different from last year's livery if you look at it from the front, but then from the side, it's kind of very different and three-quarter view. Then, it, then it's kind of a mix of both. But I think it's interesting that they've not... They are apparently spending um, up to the budget cap next season, and they've not got many sponsors on there. They've got a big MoneyGram thing, and they've got Palm Angels, well, and then... But, you know, I think that's interesting, because MoneyGram must be... You know, MoneyGram and Gene Haas, mm. it kind of says that they are putting in a lot of money to take it up to that. Um, and then, you know, they've got a few kind of minor sponsors to maybe add to that, but I think that's an interesting nugget. I think it is, because they've got two professional drivers there, um, who aren't bringing money to the team. They've got um, a big title sponsor, like you say, bringing a lot of money to the team, and I think, I think realistically, they've been valued pretty nicely by MoneyGram for that, for what they're providing. And I think their step up last year will definitely have helped that. And there's clearly intent in that team now, which is what they I, I was very critical of over the past couple of years was they just 
felt like they were just lacking any intention in being in in Formula One competitively and were just complaining about the fact that Formula One wasn't coming to them. But it feels like particularly Gene Haas is throwing a little bit at it now. So I'm impressed with that. Um, I hope it works out. I mean, I still don't have the, the, the biggest faith in um, Gunter Steiner as a, as a people manager, but, um, but you know, he sells a few T-shirts. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on delivery, it, it's a bit like the ART delivery, isn't it? An F2 and F3. That's mm, what yeah. it might be of. But yeah, on the season... Clean, it's clean, it's smart. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, those are the right words. But yeah, on the season, it's difficult to predict, obviously, with every team. But Hass's kind of pattern in general has been start off the season really well and then get outdeveloped by everyone else, which is what I expect this year. Uh, to be honest. Yes, the driver quality will hopefully help uh, with Hulkenberg's experience to maybe get a few more points on the board, which could be crucial. But in general, I kind of think they're going to have to score as big as they can early on in those first five, six races and then try and hang on to whatever they have. That's how I kind of see it. But it'll be interesting to see how the Hulkenberg-Magnuson relationship works as well, because he didn't get on and have the best of relationships. And of course, that was the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix when uh, Magnuson told Hulkenberg to suck his bollocks, which I, I presume he never did. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, to see how that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I... Nigel, the man I know <laughs> who criticizes people on the internet the most, was just the person <laughs> that most people criticized on the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think it'll be interesting because I can see them kind of making guess maybe getting closer to the front of the midfield in terms of performance but maybe getting out gained by and particularly Alpha Tari and Aston Martin who Aston Martin they lost to by two points in the construction that Alpha Tari they beat um so I can kind of see you know in the car being better but actually then you know maybe losing ground or treading water in in terms of where they actually finish so yeah I mean like I'll just echo what Nigel said really it'll be all about take, making the most of their um, chances early on and yeah taking those opportunities I do back them to do that I think they've got a drive lineup that is so I think if they're on a good day they will be able to bring that home but um, Nigel's shaking his head so I'm guessing he disagrees well you know what I think about Kulkenberg over Schumacher so yeah mm. <laughs> well <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't we, think there's much improvement from it we shall see but I think you know I'd back a, you know given given Hulkenberg's you know, he was a consistent um, top five, uh, sorry, top six finisher, you know, over, you know, he get a few of those um, finishes every season with Renault and, um, you know, I, I just, you know, I've got faith that they can make, maybe bring home a few more of those opportunities to score big. And that's where, you know, if you think they scored 35 points last season, then that is, you know, three top five, uh, sorry, top six finishes or top five finishes. And, you know, you've done it. So, yeah, I think it will be all about that, like it will be for a lot of the midfield teams. But I think, yeah, optimistic that they can take a step forward in the car. It's just every other team around them, I'd expect, will be doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, Hulkenberg never had a bad F1 season, to be fair. So I think if you base it all on that, pretty good driver. If we base it on the fact that he's not been on Formula 1 for a bit, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze one second. Okay, oh, that was oh. weird. Um, <laughs> um, but if we base it on the fact that he's been out of Formula One and he's coming in quite green, quite old, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, which hopefully he'll be able to do at the moment, but we'll see. But based on him in 2017, 2018, 2019, and then, you know, the like, 
good good driver. So if Hulkenberg has not beaten Magnussen for most of the season, that's a weak driver lineup in my opinion. Because Magnus Magnussen's second half of twenty twenty two wasn't that impressive to me. What, I'd say what was better. What if Magnussen's improved over the off season? And uh, I don't think know, I don't think criticize he would. people. I, yes. I don't think he would. I've, I, I don't think for me, drivers don't change too much year to year. Like you're not suddenly just going to go. What well, we might improve a little bit. But I don't think in terms of the, of, in terms of the talent. That's how I. Do. I mean, I, 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 I think it's dependent on things very massively. I do think drivers can take step ups and can make significant changes to the way they they implement regimes and things like that and the best time to do that is in an off season starting a new year so i i disagree but i don't think it's the biggest step up but i do think that um drivers can with the whole you know after 10 races of slogging it i can understand why someone would dip and why someone would then be better come the next year and can have an opportunity to start afresh and implement new regimes and have new ideas and things like that and push forward rather than just push to the end. So I do think there's a, a lot in it in people changing from one end, the end of one year to going to the start of another. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think that, also, that was... I was just going to say, I think also, you know, they have, they've been designing the car this season with, you know, Magnussen and, and Lathalie Hulkenberg in mind as well, whereas he was a very like last minute introduction. So yeah, I think kind of all of that combined, I have, faith in us being able to do that and also um you know i think hulkenberg i think maybe with the being able to be more aggressive on the tires as he'll hope to be this season compared to when he was in f1 it was kind of more about you know avoiding that cliff certainly at the start of his career you know that was really his strength coming up as a young driver and then you know had to change or adjust his driving style to match the pirelli rubber whereas this season he's coming in is more i guess suited to his natural talent. So I think that may be a factor, you know, he'll hope it is, but yeah, I think there's, I think there's reason, you know, considering that they've got two veteran drivers um, who look like their careers could be over a few seasons ago or last season, then, you know, I think there are reasons for optimism, maybe more than you'd expect. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, I was just going to say on Freddie's <laughs> point, uh, uh, like, of course, drivers, they can understand or, or a, a different, or a new car in a new season suits them better, and that kind of thing. I think the way Hulkenberg's been talked about, if he isn't beating Magnussen by the end of the season, in terms of pe- people thinking how good he's going to be, that will be massively disappointing, I'd say, because if he's not able to adapt. Uh, I think that's an arbitrary expectation. Okay. I don't think it is. No, I know you don't, but <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Freddie. Um, and you know, is all of this, especially talking about the car when we've not seen them on track, you know, yeah, change our season <laughs> preview. Already talking about performance, we've, we've, we've <laughs> seen our, we've seen our, um, yeah, seen our season preview, then that's where we'll be able to go into more detail on that. But just a quick roundup of next week, um, we'll be podcasting again at the end of the week. There's Williams, Alfa Romeo, and Alfa Tauri launching in that order. So, me and I shall be present at the Williams not launch and hearing and hopefully speaking to Logan Sargent and Alex Alban. Nigel, you'll be online at the Alpha Tauri launch. Is that correct? Romeo. Alpha Romeo. Romeo. Yeah. That's the wrong Alpha. Same thing. 
Yes, I will. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there was the news, which came a very short uh, statement from Sauber Group. It's one of the shortest press or the shortest press release I've ever seen. That yes, they have confirmed that um, Audi has acquired a minority stake in the Sauber Sauber Group um, in preparation for them entering the sport in 2026. So that's fun as well. So Freddie, now Audi is to... already in Formula One, technically. Yes, they are in the form of the Alfa Romeo team. I wonder if they'll be on the car. No. No, Alfa Romeo won't allow that. They've, they've, <laughs> they've bought the sponsorship space. Uh, this is the last season of the Alfa Romeo uh, badge sponsoring Salva this year. Uh, so maybe next year, but we'll have to see. Not the end of I predicted it's not going to say Alfa Romeo for the past three years. It's the end of a thin chapter of a book that nobody enjoyed reading. But yeah, we will be recapping all of that. I enjoyed it. I thought it's a cool, I thought it was cool. It's you really like everything cool in F1. No, I don't know. <laughs> don't like Nigel. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nigel. I do. I do like you. Yeah, I do genu- sorry. But I genuinely do think a car brand looking at Formula 1 going, yeah, cool, let's just do it and be involved in it and put money into funding a team, a team that wasn't being funded and then giving it funding. Because like, yeah, Nigel was saying earlier that Alfa Romeo weren't involved in the technical. No, but they funded it. So it is an Alfa Romeo Formula 1 team. It's just been, I think if you look at their whole era, there's not been one memorable moment, I think. Like there's not a moment. Every other team has had like... Tony Giovinazzi finished fifth once. Yeah, that's like, but that's it. And it's, oh, we cut Antonio Giovinazzi's there. That was great. But every other team has had like a podium finish or a pole position yeah. or something like that over that time. And Alfa Romeo have been the only team to not have that. So yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, it was fun when they got involved. They've had some nice looking cars, but I think it's, yeah, it'll be a positive when that does move on. So yeah, anything I, I, else? Sauber. It will yeah. stay the same. That will stay the same. Sauber's been boring for forever. At least Alfa Romeo made it interesting. They're exciting when they had Charles Leclerc. And Alfa Romeo. No, he was there in the last Sauber season. It was Alfa Romeo Sauber. Was it? Yeah. Alfa Romeo like, like, Alfa Romeo like didn't have the badges in twenty eighteen though. Yeah. But like it was actually called Alfa Romeo Sauber, but it does no Yeah, like, it had a big Alfa Romeo logo on the rear on the rear of the car. Did it? It was, it, was en- it was entered yeah. as Salva. Yeah, it still is entered as Salva. No, now it's Alfa Romeo. Now it's called Alfa Romeo Salva. In 2018, it was white and red, had a big old red engine cover. No, had an Alfa Romeo logo on white and red. it. Yeah, it was. Oh, no, no, it was. was. But they, but they weren't. But they weren't as like. No, it was, it was a, still it was led by Salva. Yeah, whereas now the whole thing is still Romeo. led by the whole thing is still led by Sauber. It's still it's still based in Switzerland in the Sauber factory. The whole thing is the same team still. It's just yeah. funded by Alfa Romeo more, which is cool. But that the it was the season after Leclerc that they were like properly involved, like before it was kind of led by Sauber. Oh yeah, it was the season game. afterwards that they bought out the 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 full title name. Yeah, but they were still in the title of the team in 2018. Okay, well, I guess I kind of view their thing as starting when they actually bought out the title name, became the team in 2019. I view it as starting when it started. Yeah, 2019. <laughs> so there we go. Thank you very much for listening. Nah, I disagree. With that, the... I feel like they should all be cut out. 
Wikipedia has been starting as 2019, so I'm taking that as a W. But yeah, find us at Wiggin at F1 on Twitter, find us at Adam Dickinson01 on Twitter, find us at FredCoats1999 on Twitter, find me at Nigel C. Journal on Twitter, you can find Snooker stuff. Uh, There we go. Now we can finish the podcast. And if you have survived the last three minutes of rambling, then you will want to follow our Twitters because that is the target market. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, have a good time. Goodbye. Have a great week. I've just got a well weird voice because I'm using a browser. I've got this woman's voice I've never ever heard in my life. It's well weird. It's not the same person who does it every time. No, it was a different one. I've just got a different one. This one was like uh, breaking new ground here. I don't know how you'd describe it, but it was weird. You said woman. (laughs) Is that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other one's a a woman as well, but this one was like a different. Oh, or it could be the same woman with like two different accents. <laughs> There's someone who listens to this podcast who thinks just three men, but voices just thinks it's one man speaking. <laughs> <laughs>